Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Good morning. I'm also known as Papa Nickel, for those of you that were here a couple weeks ago. I was not, but I was informed that it was very amusing. Very amusing. He's an amusing son. <laughs> Who's zoning out right now? All right. Um, a few years ago, actually it was quite a few years ago, maybe 13, 14, 15 years ago, I read one of those uh, bestseller novels, you know, the kind that does intrigue and spy and all the armies and all the different machinations around the world and uh, the very, you know, top of the, top of the market bestseller books. And um, I remember about precisely nine to ten pages of the entire thing. The reason why I know it was nine or ten pages is because I went back and I looked at this, this little thread of the story that this author had put in there, and I added up each of the pages, like you know, a third of a, you know, two-thirds of a page, a page, page and a half, two-thirds of a page, and it was like this like, 900 to 1,000 page book. He had included this like, tiny thread, like nine or 10 pages uh, in this book. And so it starts out, you know, you're going, you know, I don't even remember. I mean, I, I think I was so focused on this, this thread, I think I just completely forgot. But I know the general genre, and you know how those things go. You have crossings and double crossings and triple crossings and quad crossings, which makes me think of Starbucks usually. And then we have the army starting to go, and you got the major players, and you have the good guy, and you have the bad guy. And then about 200 pages in, there's a tree in the Pacific Northwest. It's a beautiful tree, it's beautiful wood. It's a wonderful tree. Now, back then, we didn't use the term, that is random. But if we, if we did use it, they would have said, that is random. And as a matter of fact, I think I'm pretty sure that I opened up my, look at the book, because I actually used a real book back then. And I just closed it, look at the cover. Is there a tree there anywhere? Look at the thing. Is this, you know, is this like maybe an editor problem? They just like put this thing in there somewhere. And that was it. It was just this tree in the Northwest. And then a couple hundred pages go by. And you know, you have you know, things starting to plot, starting to thicken, and you have people starting to backstab each other, and you have you know, potential war starting, and this is global, blah, blah, blah. And then we come back to the Northwest, and now the tree's cut down. So the tree's, now it's cut down, and it's being shipped to California. Right? And on its, way, on its way there, we find out that it's gonna be shipped to Asia. It's gonna be, you know, the, the, the beautiful wood's gonna be cut up and used in this beautiful building, and it admired and used. What does that have to do with anything? I, don't, I didn't understand. It just didn't make any sense. And then, of course, we go back, and it's more, more stuff over here. And at this point, I'm really not paying attention, I don't think, to anything that's going on in the book. I just want to know, what in the world is it with the tree? A couple hundred pages go by. And then there's this next section where it's starting to go across the ocean. It's lashed to this, this boat, and it hits a storm, and it breaks away, and it falls into the ocean. So now it's just sitting in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I had no idea. What is going on? This doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. This is crazy. And then again, we go back and we start having the plot starts to come together and things are going on. And then a couple hundred pages, finally, the author brings it together. And I, you know, he's a great writer. Um, and just all these different threads of the stories come together. And it was just, it was engrossing. But I was just engrossed with this one particular story. line. it was this, this tree. And then, so there's the tree sitting in the water, and then it starts to become waterlogged, and it's, it's sinking down into the ocean. And at that particular point in time, 
a submarine happens to come by that's in the middle of this key part, this other part of the story, and it's occupied with some things it has to do. It doesn't realize that there's an obstacle out there, and it clips the tree. Right, so now the tree is slowly spinning out in the Pacific Ocean, right, rotating slowly, quietly. It's hit this, this submarine, broken its communications gear, and that was, had a huge impact on what went on in that particular part of the story. But through this entire 900,000 page, 900, pages, there was this thing going on and just couldn't figure out what, what, it was, what, what, was, what was really happening. And I don't know about you, maybe you've experienced in your life, I, I've kind of been like that tree at times, right? You're, you're someplace out there and you're just kind of enjoying the situation you're in, and all of a sudden you're ripped out, unbeknownst to you, and you're taking it in a totally different direction unexpectedly. And then you finally kind of get an idea, like the tree did, you get an idea of where you're headed, right? And then all of a sudden that completely changes, and you're left out in the middle of somewhere, you feel alone, you feel like God's not there. I, as I was preparing this message, I was saying, God, I really would like to have a, an emotion on-off switch. Um, except I realized that if, I did, if God gave that to me, I would turn it off permanently, and I have enough trouble showing my emotion as it is, and... Anyway, so, it's, so I realized that, you know, as we, we get in those situations, we're out there, we're feeling lonely, we don't really, we can't see the big picture. Like, that, that tree is there, it's kind of floating in the ocean, you can't see that big picture, and all of a sudden you get knocked, and you're just spinning, just like that tree. But you really don't have an idea of what exactly it is that's going on in your life, and why these things are happening, why this happened, or... And so... Um, that's from the tree's perspective. So I think we can all relate to this, and I don't think it takes too long for us to fig figure out some, some of those things that, that you know, because we're not trees, right? This is, this is not about trees. Uh, it's about real things in our lives that are, that are hurt, hurt, hurtful and painful, you know, things that I'm going to have trouble getting through, I think. Um, you know, just things like, you know, a husband that abandons their wife, right? Or parents that abandon their kids or kid and just left different for themselves. Somebody who's viciously attacked. Right? Things that go on that, that, that cause us to ask those burning questions that I'm sure all of us have asked at one time or the other, of, you know, is God in control? What, you know, can I have confidence in him? You know, can I trust him? The things of my past, my present, my future, you know, how can I continue to carry on and work through those things with those things there? I mean, these are critical questions. Now, we just came out of the Christmas season, and so I, I uh, you know, we had obviously celebrated the birth of Christ, and so you're probably wondering, what in the world does what I just said have anything to do with the birth of Christ? Well, this is what you'd call a non-traditional Christmas message, and so it's going to be very non-traditional. I'm not a big tradition guy anyways. I, I, uh, you know, Christmas is great. And obviously, you look at the scripture and the celebration of the, the joy of Christmas and just the, the bright lights and the, the, the birth of Christ and all those things that happened and came into being. Those are powerful, positive things. But of course, there's all those other trappings around Christmas that doesn't really appeal to me all that much. And I have a really kind of tough time kind of going along with it. Um, but the birth of Christ is very important, obviously. And in Galatians 4.4, 4, there's a verse that talks about, uh, about the birth of Christ. And I'm really just going to focus on the first half of that verse. Uh, you can turn there if you want. Uh, we'll be in and out pretty quickly. And we'll be around a lot of different verses today. 
And in Galatians 4, 4, it says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. This concept of fullness of time really has at the appointed time, at the per- perfect time, at the precise time. And so what, does this, what are the implications of, of this? Right? So I think this is kind of hard. And I, as we talk about some of the examples in Scripture, and even some probably common examples we may know or have heard of, it's really hard for us to put ourselves in the situation. We know our, our own selves, the difficulties we're having, and the pain we struggle with, or the things that God's working on with us. But it's hard for us to really relate to others. But if we took it, we look at this concept of this appointed time, and we also look at the fact that in 1 Peter, it talks about God foreordaining the birth of Christ and his death and resurrection of the cross from the foundation of the world. So let's go all the way back here. Way, way back. Right? How about over here? So we'll go back before the foundation of the world. And I, I want us to take a look at the things that are, that are going to take place from God's perspective. Now, it's really hard because we're finite, God's infinite, and it's hard to really, for us to comprehend and understand. That makes it hard for us, especially for those that uh, don't have their faith in Christ or don't really believe in God. It's really hard for us to comprehend uh, his, his nature. But he's outside of time, he's obviously infinite, and he's looking at the foundation of the world that he's about to put into play. And as part of that, he's going to create mankind, human, human mankind, male and female, and he's going to give them uh, a likeness of his image, which means they're going to have, uh, be free moral agents. And he knows that as part of doing that, they're going to rebel against his simple um, guidelines for what it is between right and wrong. And he knows that that's going to put a separation between his creation and himself. Right? And he knows that to, to really bridge that gap is going to require a sacrifice on his part. And so he looks forward to that point in time we were just talking about, the birth of the person of Christ, and he's got that time appointed between the, before the foundation of the world that that's going to happen. And in God's providence, right, there was obviously thousands of years from the time that Adam sinned to the time of Christ. Through God's providence and his sovereignty, he's working through all the events to bring about that birth of Christ. And we celebrate that today, right? But I think, I think most of us know here that that's not the important, that's not the most important thing, right? Our faith really is based, as Paul said, it's in vain without the death and resurrection of Christ. So Christ's birth is important. It's planned from the foundation of the world. It's a joyous event, certainly, right? But it really kicked off a series of events that led ultimately through the death and resurrection. So Christ, as Philippians said, had to come empty himself, take on the form of a man, which means he had to go through those emotional peoples we have. He has to deal with the, uh, the pain, the agony, the temptation, um, the sorrow. And in addition, Christ had to, um, it says, take on our sin, the weight of our sin, the burden of our sin, so he could pay that penalty for us, right? so that we have that free gift of salvation offered to us. And we all we know the salvation message, right? I mean, that's, that was the point. That's why he was coming. But he knew that from the foundation of the world, that that was what was going to have to happen. And as you think about the days leading up to the uh, death of Christ, and this is where I think it gets hard, because we know the story. We know how it ends. But think about those disciples who saw what looked like a conquering king come into Jerusalem. Looked like everything was looking up in terms of uh, of this being the Christ as they perceived him. And then all of that come crashing down, and Christ had to, ignore, had to endure um, 
just a humbling uh, series of events led to his death. And they went from thinking that they were top of the world to really looked like they were completely defeated. And then it really bounced about almost overnight, literally. God turned all that pain, all that sacrifice, all that went on that led up to that event, all the providence that God had allowed to happen to that point, and he completely turned around that defeat into an incredible victory. So here's the thing. That's the same God that is involved in our lives, right? And that knew about us from before we were born, before we were in the mother's room, before the foundation of the earth. We could say, in the fullness of time, I was born. the fullness of time, Frank was born. fullness of time, each of us. God knew from the foundations of the world that we were going to live. We'd be in this place today. We'd be where we're at today. And he also knew the struggles and difficulties that we would face. And he set the example of his son, showing us that through the pain and difficulty of, of Christ on the cross, he doesn't work in spite of those things. He doesn't work in spite of our, our humanity. He works through that uh, to accomplish his purposes, his sovereign will. God knew the pain that would be experienced and... Again, this is the same God that works in our lives. And I think this is, should be, and really it should be a, a source of great confidence for us. Uh, because if the same God who ordained that this sacrifice would take place, and knew this was going to happen, knew it was going to transpire, is in control of the different events of life, is in control of the providence, his own providence, and bringing these things about, then that's the same God that was working in our life and the things that we're struggling with and have in our past and our present and our future. And so hopefully if you don't take nothing away from today, what I really want to reiterate and really make the point is um, that we should live with confidence in God's providence. It's that living with confidence that is really, uh, has a huge difference and it really it's a challenge for us. Uh, I think you, you think of Peter, right, the obvious example of someone who gives us that quick example of confidence and non-confidence at the same time. And when Peter jumps on the water, sees Christ, he's got that total confidence that, that God can sustain him, and he immediately takes his eyes off of Christ and he, and he sinks in the water. That's that, that, that confidence that's there. It's powerful, and it enables us to do things that, that obviously are, are God things and that God's working in our lives. So God is sovereign over both the good and the evil in our lives. And he understands and uses both to accomplish his will. I think that's important for us to know and understand. And, and I, probably a lot of us know it. Sometimes I think we forget that. Uh, we tend to think of providence as the, the good things that happen, and they are, certainly. We see God working in, in what we consider good ways. But God works in both the good and the bad in our lives to accomplish his purpose. And again, that should be a tremendous source of great confidence. For us to really have this confidence... Uh, though we have to really recognize and understand and internalize the sovereignty of God. It's really important that we recognize that God is in control and that God um, you know, is aware of what we're experiencing and, and things aren't happening because you know, he's just let things run, run on their own. So I just picked out some verses. I don't want to spend a lot of time on God's sovereignty. That's a huge topic, obviously. And you can spend a lot of time on a lot of different verses. But I wanted to get into our mind as we... Can you walk through the rest of this message? 
some concepts about God's sovereignty, especially if this is new to you. Uh, Matthew 10, Matthew 10 says, Not one sparrow, this is 10, uh, 29 to 31, not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from the will of the Father. Right? Then it goes on to talk about the, the hairs are numbered on our heads and that we're more valuable than the sparrows. So we, we know from that passage that if God's will is there and sovereign over a single sparrow falling, he certainly sovereign over the things that we face in our lives and the things that sometimes seem out of control. But he's there and working through those things. Proverbs 69, it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Again, you can see that we, we make many plans, and, but God's there determining the steps. And it seems hard for us to comprehend because uh, we can't comprehend how, how, how a God could be infinite and work through our, our free will, work through the choices we make instead of in spite of them. But the scripture is very clear that God is, God is sovereign over these things. Uh, one more is, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And this verse makes me think of uh, the time in the book of Esther where Esther's faced with having to go before the king to try to stop the slaughter of the Jews. Uh, Mordecai says she must do this. And he makes it very clear that, you know, God is going to work his will, regardless of whether you do this or not. But he thinks she's in that purpose, that time and place purposely to accomplish that. But Mordecai recognizes that God is not subject to uh, our human decisions, but he does know which, what we'll make and how we'll work through those. So God's in control, but in his control, he allows us to experience pain and difficulty. And so we often question God's sovereignty because we don't know how God's working or we don't know, we don't see God working or we don't see how and understand how it's working. Um, but of course, we can't limit God's, uh, you know, God's, the truth of God and who he is to our understanding of how that works. So if we look at some of the examples in scripture of, of confidence, I think the, the one that comes to mind, I'm sure it came to many of yours, is just the example of Joseph. And again, when we think of um, the sovereignty of God in Joseph's life, he was in a situation where he, God revealed to him that he would be ruling over his brothers. And so you can think, you think about to, to yourself, you must, you must have been feeling pretty good about himself, right? That this is what's going to happen. And of course, he finds himself um, uh, enslaved, Right? sold for slavery, he finds himself wrongfully accused, then he finds himself wrongly imprisoned, then he finds himself forgotten in prison. And I think what's astounding about the whole thing is, you know, that goes on for years and years and years, I mean, you can see the character of Joseph through all of those different events. Right? He maintains his confidence that God is going to work, that God is going to work through these things. And finally, at the very end, you know, he says that, telling his brothers, you know, you meant that for evil, but God meant it for good. God used all those things in his life, and he could see that, and God gave us that example in Scripture for that very reason. In our own lives, it's, it's oftentimes not really clear to us. As a matter of fact, if you look at the work of Job, it's not apparent at all that Job is aware of any of the reasons why he, he went through uh, what he went through. So I think the question, one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, can we recognize that God is at work during and through the difficulties in our own life? And that's, that's a hard question. 
Right? That's one we each have to ask ourselves and look at. Difficulties we face, is God capable of working through those? And I think it's something we need to answer explicitly within ourselves because it speaks to the level of confidence that we'll have. So I just talk about some applications of this concept of living in confidence in God's providence. Uh, the first one is uh, we can be free from the anger that can come with events that's happened in our past. Right? I don't know everybody here, um, but I'm sure there's a variety of folks that struggled with, with anger, for things that have happened, either it's completely outside of your control or you know, that mix of anger and guilt if it's, if it's a combination of, of, the, of the two. Uh, you know, when I was working a number of years ago at a company, I worked uh, in this kind of open cube, and I had a woman that sat next to me. Uh, there was kind of a little doorway to the cubicle section that was there, but she was on the other side of that. And we talked a lot, and at, at some point she got very comfortable with sharing that she you know, had had some things in her past that she was, were really hurtful for her, and she was kind of working through them with uh, her therapist. And so as I kind of watched through, and I, I'm not making a comment about therapy, but I just watched her and her interactions, and I noticed that uh, that as she went through these sessions, whatever was going on there, she, she kept getting more angry, and she'd be kind of just turning all this stuff back up again, anger and bitterness. And as the week went on, it would kind of simmer down, and it would kind of go back to the same cycle. And so at some point, I think after I'd gotten you know, comfortable with, with our relationship, I just said to her, you know, are you, working, are you trying to work through for forgiveness? What's your goal here? Are you trying to forgive this person for what they did, or what are you trying to accomplish? And she was appalled at the notion, the thought that she could give forgiveness to this person for what they'd done was just completely foreign to her. And you could see that struggle in her life as a result. Right? I think the, the, the kind of the contrary story to that, and I don't know, maybe, you've, maybe a number of you have seen this, but there's a guy named Nick, and I cannot pronounce his last name, but uh, he's from Australia. And if you ever have, don't do this now, but if you want to Google, right, um, you can Google no arms and no legs, and you'll find, you'll find Nick. And he uh, was born with no arms and no legs, obviously. And uh, he went through this, his childhood, you know, he's really struggling with the fact that he was in this situation, he had like a little, he's got a little foot that, uh, that was kind of attached to, to his, his torso. And he went through depression, there's a lot of struggles. And he said he came to the point in his life where he was about 15, his parents were Christians, and his mother was very insistent that God was going to work through this difficulty. But he was you know, asking why. It's a logical question. I mean, it's a very difficult, difficult situation to be in. And you know, he remembers when he was coming to the point where he was working through his relationship with God and recognizing that uh, he was a sinner, uh, he needed a Savior, and Christ was that Savior. But he, he said he had one question. He wanted to know from God why. Why did, you know, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow me to be born in this way? And he doesn't, he doesn't say exactly how he, he came to this conclusion, but so the answer God really gave to him was, do you trust me? And that, that to me, is incredibly profound. I mean, that, that really is ultimately uh, the question for all of us. Do we trust God? Do we place our confidence in him when... We can't understand exactly what's going on because for the think of to think of a finite being like ourselves, understanding the infinite uh, is is not really possible. And so, if we try to do that, we're we're, we're definitely going to fail. Uh, I think as I watched him, I was really struck by just the confident nature. He was confident that God had, you know, purposed to him to be that specific way and was going to use that in his life. And in, to watch some of his videos, you look at. I mean, I love some of his. Uh, some of his quotes. One of the ones I really like was, uh, wouldn't it fit the nature of God 
uh, to use a man with no arms and no legs to be his hands and feet. You know? And so, um, and that's very true, right? God works in ways that we don't understand. We tend to think that uh, he needs our money, our strength, our power, or whatever, um, and that's just not the nature of God as we, as we see it revealed in Scripture. Uh, he's also got a mystery of his side, though. He, if you see this one video, he, he got onto a plane, and because he's you know, severely handicapped, he goes first, and he had the people with him put him up in the luggage rack. <laughs> so he's... <laughs> So anyways, but I, and I think one of the other videos I just mentioned real quickly, I just, it was just profound, and that was, he had this chance to go on Oprah, and you see him, it's hard to say walking, but you see him going down the aisle, and he's got this, like, in this, this like, stub foot, and then his, no, no right limb, and then he kind of hops up the stairs, and as he hops up each stairs, he kind of presents his testimony and, and his life, and it was, it was very, very powerful. And you can see God working, and I think it was very interesting that in one of the interviews I saw, he made the comment that, he would rather, right, be in the situation he's in and having reached out to so many people, see so many people came to salvation through Christ, those people he'll see, right, in eternity when he has arms and legs. Um, but he would, he would have missed that if, he'd, if God had given him arms and legs and hands and feet. So it was, it was a pretty powerful thing. But we can be free of, those, uh, of that anger. And I think that takes us from anger to expectancy. It takes us from, why did you do this, God? To God, I know you're going to work through this, and I want to be a part of that. Right? And there's an expectancy there. Right, another thing is when we're determined to live a, um, a life with confidence in God's providence is we can be free of anxiety. Wow. Um, you know, God is over, God is sovereign not over just over past and things we experienced in the past, but he's over, sovereign over our future. Right? That's usually the things we're anxious about, what's coming up in the future. In Joshua 1, 9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And courage really is a byproduct of trust, of having that confidence in God. Uh, I've shared, and I'm not going to go through it again, but I've shared some of my struggles with anxiety in the past. I think 20 years ago, it was about 20 years ago now, I was carted off in an ambulance, which turned out to be an anxiety attack, or panic attack, I'm sorry. And so I've had my struggles there. And, um, you know, been through, you know, wrestling with what God has to say about anxious anxiety, being anxious for nothing. Um, and it really struck, it struck me as I, as I kind of looked through that, how often, this isn't always the case, obviously, but how often the things we're anxious and fearful about uh, never come about. I mean, I'd say 95, 99% of the time, we're anxious about things that never happen. I kind of call these Proverbs 28.1 fears, because Proverbs 28.1 says, uh, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. The idea here is that um, those that uh, don't claim to know God, uh, believe God, uh, follow God, um, they will flee in, in, out of panic when no one is pursuing. Right? And that's how we behave in these situations where we're fe fearful of things that never, never come about. We can see them in our lives. Usually, we'll go through these things and, and it won't come about, it won't come about, but we'll keep being fearful about them. And then the one time something does happen, you know, then we latch onto that time and, and use that to justify justify our fear. Right? I think one of the examples I was able to apply this in my life, because again, I've been wrestling this for, the, for a long period of time, I used to be very fearful of flying, and I really specifically did this, right? When I was uh, you know, working through getting onto a plane, I recognized explicitly, you know, God is sovereign, right? He is in control of what's going on. Uh, I am not, obviously. Um, I can buckle my seatbelt, 
for what that's worth. I have never, you know, that's, that's somewhat value, I guess, right? But beyond that, everything else is out of my control. I can't choose the plane that's, that's chosen. I can't choose the pilots. I can't choose the mechanics that work on the plane, or I can't choose what they did the night before. I can't choose the weather, any of those things, right? Those things are all out of my control. Uh, but we have a sovereign God who I can have confidence in uh, to know that he's in control and whatever happens, whatever he ordains, will, he, he's got a sovereign will through that. And here's the thing, right? That doesn't guarantee that I'm going to be safe at all. And we can look at many examples of scripture. You can look of Jim Elliott going down to the jungles of, of South America and getting killed. Safety is not uh, what it's about. It's about God accomplishing his purposes and his will and resting in that and not being anxious for something that we want to have come about. And so I kind of use flying now as as an opportunity to remind myself of God's sovereignty, remind myself that I I know that regardless of what happens on that flight, God is going to work his his will through that, and he'll be glorified as a result. And I I think this is just incredibly freeing. It's When we can do that, when we can let go of those fears and trust that God's going to be at work, and have confidence in God to know that he will uh, accomplish his purpose. And even if things don't go the way we would like them to go, and even if things are very hard and difficult, we know that God was aware of that from the foundation of the world. This is not a surprise to him. All right, last application I want to make, uh, if we can determine to live with confidence in God's providence, um, is that we can be confident through difficult circumstances, like preaching, for example. That's a good one. Uh, when I was thinking about this one, I thought of the phrase, but if not, uh, I always associate that with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, primarily because I read this Daily Bread a long time ago where they talked about how soldiers in D-Day, uh, you know, uh, what do they do, telegraph? I don't know what they did back then. But anyway, they telegraphed, but if not, as a way of encouraging those people that were um, storming the beaches of Normandy. But in, in that story, and again, he, he another example, you know, for, for those of us that are very familiar with the story of the fiery furnace, right, we know the outcome that happens, and I think that can kind of take a little bit of the, of the meaning off of it, but if we just think about it for a second, I love the wording of, of Scripture in this and what they said. So here they were on the verge of being put to death, and I would think any reasonable person in that situation, the king's told you to bow down, says you're going to you know, throw you into this fire furnace and kill you, You've probably seen it happen many times. There's no reason for them to believe that they're going to be any different. But the response is, okay, first of all, God can deliver us, right? So God can, not that he will, but God can deliver us from you. Uh, from the fire, fire first, I'm sorry, from the, fire, from the first. And then he, then he says, then they say, but he will deliver us from you. And I like that kind of logic. So if they are killed, then they're delivered from him, right? And if God spares them, they're also delivered from him. So they say, they, we, they, we will um, be delivered from you. <clears throat> and then they say, but if not, right? So, but if God chooses not to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and they go on to confidently state, we will not bow down, right? It was just, to me, it's just an incredible, tremendous amount of confidence that God was working in that current circumstance. And I... Again, we can easily underestimate the potential stress, right? I don't know how many people here have been in a, you know, in a death situation where you're just about to die. Um, so maybe you could appreciate that if there's anybody here that has been in that. I have not. But they had to recognize that their life was probably about to be over. And yet, you can see the way they respond and the kind of confidence they had um, was really able to, obviously, not only able to get them through that, but able to give us an example of the kind of confidence that 
that we can have in, in God as he works through our life. And so in uh, Isaiah 41.10, it talks about, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice that he said, doesn't say that he's going to give us the outcome we want. He's going to help us through that. He's not going to give us necessarily the outcome. And this confidence we have in God is not about the outcome. Matter of fact, we should no longer be dependent on the outcome. We should recognize that God is at work regardless of the outcome. And that can give us a amount of peace and just a real strength for us as we go through the difficulties and just the life and trying to serve God in the way he's called us to serve him. So I guess here's my challenge for us today, and I know that I've been thinking about these things for a long period of time, and, and I know that there's work for me to do in this area too, and that is that each of us, I, I venture to say most, if not all of us, have areas where we are not living confidently with God in God's providence. We're not really confident that God is working through some of those difficult things we're facing, or have faced, or we might, might face. So my challenge for each of us is to really evaluate, investigate, you know, what are some of those areas that really pop out as ones that we are not confidently living um, in trust uh, of God and what he's doing in our lives, and really, really take a look at uh, what scripture has to say and seek God out in terms of uh, who, he, who he is, his nature, his sovereignty, and allow that to really uh, bring to bear a, a confidence and a peace in our lives about those things and really transform um, you know, how we behave in those areas. So I'd say um, we can live with God, confidence in God's providence, and let's go live with confidence, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for revealing who you are to us for your, for your creation. I thank you for those hard things in our lives that we, we struggle with in our past, in our present, and our future. I pray for anybody here right now who's struggling with any of those things, the past, present, future, um, letting go of those things in the past, giving those things over to you, recognizing you um, were in control of that, and you're going to use that in their life. Or for those that might be really struggling for something in their current circumstance, Lord, that they would lean and depend upon you wouldn't turn to anger, bitterness, depression, uh, but uh, seek you out. And Lord, that we as a body, as we see people that are struggling, would allow you to work through us and, and help them to meet those needs as we see them and you re reveal them to us. Lord, I thank you that you're sovereign over our future and that we can be confident as we, as we move forward in our life to know that uh, we don't have to be afraid of what's coming up. That, that you're, you know exactly what's happened, what will happen, and you know how to use those things and accomplish your purposes through them and in us. And I thank you that that's the God that we serve and uh, that you've given us that understanding. And um, So Lord, I, just, I pray for your peace, a real understanding of the, how much you do love us, and that that is expressed in the demonstration of your love through a Christ on Calvary. And I thank you for all of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.